Hi, Jer. Hi, Kyle. How you doing today? Ah, man, I liked the uh -huh. uh, deflection <laughs> gag we had during the first attempt to record this. Yeah, well, yeah, we, um, everything exploded because Windows set all of our audios to default, and I thought I had got them all updated, and I caught the last one right before the stream, and then Kyle had, like, one more that said, Nope! Nope, me too! That was incredibly annoying. So th this happens when you do a thing, and uh, what thing are we doing? Yeah, this is how to draw without dying. So we're going to talk about uh, how to, you know, how to get do, make your art when when it's when you're doing a busy modern life and enjoy art, especially indie art in your busy modern life, because it's hard. It's it's so very very hard. It's very hard. I'm Jer. I'm a uh, software full time software engineer who's been making comics since he was seven. And I'm Kyle. I'm a full time comic artist. Uh... That's just really stressed all the time because of, of what I do. <laughs> he also makes podcasts. I also make podcasts and some other stuff, but, you know. And um, today we want to talk about tropes. Yeah. This, uh, you, you suggested this one today. What, uh, what's, what do you got on your mind about, about when, you're, when you're just doing the formula? Um, so... Formulas are kind of an interesting tool. I, I think they get uh, a lot of hate from one section of the writing community and perhaps too much leeway from another half of the community. Whereas, mm -hmm. honestly, like they're a tool like all things. A tool can be used well or, you know, uh, or poorly. Uh, and I, I do truly believe some, like, tropes, some structures are what they are, are well-known, are cliché, because they work so well. See, I love that you're jumping straight to the punchline of what I had planned for today. Uh, so I'll ask, I'll ask this question. Kyle, have you ever made anything wholly original in your life? Nope. Not me neither. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually impossible. Uh, we are we we are we are artists we're content creators we I, I make comic books uh kyle makes comics and many things that we just mentioned and like what gives us ideas is the world around us and part of the world around us is the stories that we've already heard from other people and we was like ooh, that that's a story i've got my idea for a story that i got from that story that's normal that's actually mostly how this goes <laughs> Are you at all familiar with the, well, I'm sure I've mentioned it at least, but the art blender? I can put a picture together in my head. Um, so my definition of this, anyways, is every artist, no matter what they make, takes aspects of their life and things they've experienced and stories they've read and throws it into a blender. And some artists have a really high setting. Uh, and you, you know, when you, you pour what's in the blender out, you get just this really pureed mix of of flavors and you can't really tell where they pulled from and some have a really low setting and you can definitely sell you know taste you know chunks of their life especially if you know the person personally uh and you can be like oh that's what he's referencing in there uh i tend to both write and enjoy things on a lower setting a bit more hmm so that makes me think, well, actually, because, like, I think of your work, and then you show me sort of, like, mangas that, that you are heavily influenced by, and I see, ah, yes, that is 
I see the one to one here where like a particular way of, of setting a mood, a particular way of setting a setting, uh, a, a way to introduce the characters in a panel, speaking comics wise. Uh, yeah. And then you, you show me like D gray man. And I was like, ah, yes, yes. I see that, that you learned these tools. <laughs> so this actually was a, was a topic that was suggested by, by folks that, uh, that someone from our community. I don't, I don't remember. I think it was, it might've been, uh, I'm not actually going to hazard a guess if I don't know. That would be dangerous. But, it might uh, not have been requested by uh, Kimmy, but I've certainly had some really interesting conversations with boy, her specifically yeah. about this sort of thing. Um, a lot of like what comes to mind have been like Tuesday night uh, comic comic artist gang conversations. Um, I want to talk about good versus evil mm-hmm. because good versus evil is probably like the tropiest trope story, the the most formulaic formula there is, uh, and then. Like, a, a step up from that would be the hero's journey, which is, you know, like, a, a pretty established formula for the good versus evil formula. Mm-hmm. But I thought a lot about why. Why is good versus evil what we do? Why is it the main thing? Well, it's because it's, it's in, inherently a moral lesson. This is the bad guy. They do this bad thing. Look at the bad guy and the bad thing they're doing. This is the good guy. They're going to do a good thing and defeat the bad guy. And so good always defeats bad because it's a lesson in like what be be like the good guy, be not like the bad guy. Bad guy gets defeated cuz he sucks, but good guy wins because he's great. That's like the easiest probably like hmm, do I want to say easiest? It is a very straightforward way to interpret the world especially other people in the world we have our life we have our experiences we have bad things done to us and then we go and tell a story a bad thing happened to me but it's okay because i am a good guy and i succeeded in this way of course it's all from a matter of perspective the person telling the story is always the good guy because they're the good guy obviously and so then we the the story consumers the people that take these in say i agree with this story and its moral lesson and not this story and not its moral lesson this this protagonist is kind of an asshole and their decisions are shitty i don't think i want to take moral lessons from this one but this protagonist is a badass and super cool and 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 awesome in every way uh so i will i will like model my life after this good person this is the first trope. <laughs> <laughs> the first trope. The alpha trope. And, of course, you can make religion out of this. You know, I actually am not sure I agree that it's the first trope. Please give me a counter-argument. Pretty sure the first trope is something more along the lines of uh, either really powerful person gets humbled or really powerful person meets someone who makes him a better person. The reason why I say this is Gilgamesh is the earliest story, written story mm-hmm. anyways, and that doesn't really have a good beats evil message. Actually, most mythology doesn't really have a good beats evil message. I see. Now, mm-hmm. when we think of modern literature, yeah, I definitely 
Like, I, I, I know what you're trying to say. And honestly, I'm not even sure, like, when I say modern literature, I don't even think I mean recent literature. I, I think I actually kind of mean, if not the trope of, or not the trope, if not the, um, yeah, no, I, I think I actually mean uh, the, the literary term modern, which, uh, if I can find the... Um, I actually have to look this up. I'm sorry, well, it's going to kill me. Take your time because that, that your correction actually does go in in like kind of the direction I wanted to, which is that uh, I'm not going to get too particularly religious or political on this, but the good versus evil trope is very Western and very Judeo-Christian. There is the good force and the evil force, and all like like character assignments are thus assigned you know are thus are thus classified is this character a good guy or a bad guy are they a sith or a jedi well actually the jedi aren't good they're their order <laughs> i uh <laughs> I, I can confirm almost exactly what i thought yes is the literary like art movement of modern art um it's a lot lot uh, earlier than most people think, it generally refers to the time between the 1860s and the 1970s. Uh, the best way to think about it, uh, time period-wise, in my mind, is pretty much the entire life of J.R.R. Tolkien. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because I, I think that's really when a lot of those strong good versus evil moral messages started happening in mm. fiction, and J.R.R. Tolkien was all about that. Yeah, but you did mention Gilgamesh, which is a hero epic. Yes, I uh, I, I might have missed a, a point about that while I was looking up when modern art was. That's uh, no, fine, anyway. So why are we talking about this? Because these tropes aren't just like, they aren't just echoes for echoes sake. They are a form of storytelling that is established and evolved, and and you can you can use it and build off of it. Um, there have been plenty of of good like good uses of good versus evil, and plenty of of tropey annoying. Well, that's just the same story again. Versions of of good versus evil, but it being a good versus evil story doesn't invalidate it inherently. Mm -hmm. It's a tool. Uh, it following the hero's journey, um, which I I really wish I had memorized before this conversation, <laughs> um, doesn't invalidate it. In fact, like um, you can use that as building blocks. Um, mm -hmm. And and you hinted at this actually earlier when we were setting us up. Um, I love thinking of TV tropes. Well, tro tropes in general, but TV tropes is a good collection of them to to like. Uh, to dive into and lose an evening to. Uh, I love thinking of tro story tropes as Legos. Mm -hmm. And so you're, you've got an idea for a story, you're building it, you're coming up with how it's going to work, and, um, and you're like, well, I really recognize this, this, um, this, this trope, this character type is really cool to me. This one's really annoying and tropey, tropey, as, as if it was a derogatory term. I just, I just made that mistake. Um, this one's too cliche. This one's used too often. So maybe I'll use it, but I'll subvert it, right? Um, and so you have the story you want to tell in your head, 
but and then you look at the things that you've seen a, a dozen times before and you're like well i like these ones but not these ones so i will build my story accordingly out of these legos mm-hmm. i uh on on the case of the art blender this this sort of leads to just like real life experiences being used to make art tropes are a similar thing you throw into that blender um and to a certain extent like drawing from your real life is a trope in and of itself uh if, if you want to get really grandiose about I, it when you when you want to get really grandiose about it everything is a trope it's just like you oh is this a trope that's never been used before it's a trope now because someone mm -hmm. else can use it yeah uh art, art is full of references and and learning from those that came before and doing something new with the same pieces so, like, what do we say uh, when when folks are like worried about trope usage? About like, oh, I don't want to, like, I don't, I'm, I want to avoid a cliche. In my case, I'd say don't worry about it too much. <laughs> uh, so, honestly, like, when it comes to worrying about avoiding cliches, uh, I'd find the really destructive like way this this comes up in a lot of conversations we have with newer artists is the I'm worried people are going to think my art is derivative mm. of X. And uh, I think that's like that's a very common anxiety thing that happens with artists. Uh, it, it happened with me for a very long time. Actually, the the infamous uh, I think anachronistic is better than Doctor Strange thing was the first time I really <laughs> broke out of that. <laughs> the, the thing that people are officially giving me light shit for now <laughs> i hope but, so uh, but no i mean like uh light, light shit is is fine but like it really was <laughs> i mean i think so uh unironically yeah 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 um kimmy says best advice in mayo is to figure out why it works in the uh and the works you enjoy that's a good one um yeah rather than avoiding tropes entirely figuring out how to use them effectively um yeah so uh this actually does lead me into some of the stuff in my work uh where especially in uh chapter one of of this light my horror comic uh it's not oh it is tropes but they're sort of i fall into a couple of i want to say like i'm trying to find the right word for it but like really uh uh and this is okay sorry it's interesting to think of the difference between good tropes and bad tropes too because i think there is such a thing as a bad trope that is used too much and what? isn't effective yeah like what what would you what would you define as like what makes a trope bad the uh see i'm, I'm trying to pull the the adjectives together but the first one that comes to mind is fridge the girlfriend which is something that i was kind of guilty of in early of this light mm. uh sort of tropes that tend uh tropes or cliches that tend to feed into bad representation or uh a like feed into othering or feed into uh just general man words are off the tip of my it's tongue. fine um, um i think like fridge the girlfriend refers to was it like where where did it come from uh green lantern actually it's oh yeah because they they killed his girlfriend and and put her like literally put her in a fridge 
and mm-hmm. that was like her murder was like like a, a motivating like like trauma for him. It's and it's mm-hmm. like it it happens all the time where it's like like a, a preposterous gruesome trauma uh is 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 like the the motivating factor for a character. Uh common for uh like like a lot of like a, a lot of uh female characters, female hero characters in uh especially in like the 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 90s tended to be like like oh we'll we'll motivate them with sexual assault. That's that's a thing that'll make them angry and empowered. And, and no. Mm-hmm. that so um like i actually want to take it one step back is that uh there's a, a classification of of bad tropes here that is very much a sign of our times which is like uh, like tropes that are invalidating a person or a group it's mm-hmm. it's sort of like the topic at hand right now is is like don't don't invalidate people you know there are a mm-hmm. lot of identities that are just like being swept under the onto the table and we need to we need to you know pay more attention to those uh so i think like the tropes that you seem to be leaning towards as bad ones are are the ones that are are of it of a tribute say what i think i i think i figured out the words i was looking for okay go tropes that contribute to systemic oppression there we go and yeah um there are many of them and I I really think they need to be avoided. And I to be honest, I think some of those trips can be used almost in an ironic isn't the right word, but they can be used to draw attention to themselves almost in an effective way. But point is the trips I'm worried about in OTL, uh I wasn't doing it ironically. I literally didn't know how to write the stuff i needed i i didn't know how to get from point a to point b without using the tropes that i really wish i hadn't uh and i think i could have figured out now if i was writing the story now but i didn't back then in that particular case like you had somewhere you were going and Mm -hmm. i don't know how you like i don't know how you would get there without without going where you went Mm -hmm. and the character didn't die actually (laughs) Yeah, but it really looked like it, it for really, a really yeah. long time. Um. So, what's a good trope? I, as far as like good tropes are concerned, um, and to be honest, I I think maybe good isn't even the right word as much as neutral because or, they can yeah. be used in positive or negative ways. Uh, but those are going to be essentially pieces of a story that can be used to add flavor to your narrative. I'm actually going to say a different thing. I think it's less about, because like, it's your creativity, it's your idea that adds flavor to your narrative. I think it, the, the useful tropes are the ones that add structure. Mm-hmm. Where, oh, hey, I'm going to use this trope because everyone recognizes it and I don't have to explain it very much. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of uh, is, is, is one of the topics that uh, Neil Cohn talks about in, in Visual Language of Comics, where uh, there are. There's a uh, one of my favorite chapters in that book is 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 where he's describing the difference between comics in the West and comics in the East, and and he explains how uh, in the East there is um, a sort of like a way to draw what we would mm-hmm. recognize as mon- quote unquote manga style, but there's like this is how you draw a face, this is how you draw a boy, this is how you draw a girl, or here's how you draw a car. There's a way to draw all these things, 
and that creates a visual language. In the West, like just grabbing someone else's style is is inherently taught to be theft. Mm-hmm. And you are to if you are to be an artiste, you should be creating your own style, creating your own voice. And you know, I uh, I love those two concepts because like neither is inherently right or wrong. There there are two cultural ways of looking at art, looking at voice, and looking at the tools that are available to you. Go ahead. Uh, I just think it's funny because you're right. There, there's a bit of hypocrisy in how Western art is taught and that on one hand, yes, we are taught that um, from the beginning is that you need to make your own style, but a lot of it, art education is just copying the masters. Uh, uh, my first book about how to draw comics was How to Draw Comics the Marvel Way, which teaches you the Marvel way. <laughs> um, and then like on that, uh, Neil talks about those three uh there there are three sort of like flavors of comic art language in America there's the the superhero style the um cartoon style and the indie style and and each has its own visual language that grows and evolves and has set rules to like how you communicate this is this thing this is that thing but this leads back to the conversation about tropes because like these these visual like elements these things that we recognize as this is what a face is is a trope it's a building block it's a thing that you can use to to get a picture done Mm -hmm. uh the the box of tools that i keep talking about like art isn't a thing you're good or bad at it's a box of tools you keep adding tools to i got that Mm -hmm. in your cone too (laughs) um and chat uh both fable and kimmy and uh shiny are um I'll have a conversation about, uh, I don't think there are, well, Fable says, I don't think there's as much good or bad tropes. I mean, at the end of the day, they're tools, right? So it comes down to how we're using the tools. Are we marginalizing people? Are we, uh, or are we uplifting people? Are we using the trope as structural support and then subverting it to make it our own and fresh and useful, uh, and good, you know? That's why I'm sort of like, I, I, I think there are bad tropes because I think there's tropes that, um, almost consistently uh they're they're only used as a crutch and it's really hard to find a way other than a crutch to use them and their use is uh negative to two people question that's why i brought up fridge the girlfriend specifically would you would uh, you say there are bad legos <laughs> i can think of some and i just, i'm just kind of curious like how well does this metaphor hold up uh like like because are are there Legos that are like it's not good to use to make your thing? There are Lego sets that <laughs> specifically like I think of a Lego set that has pieces like specific pieces just for that set that only work for that thing and also like perfect. Yeah, that that's there. There are there Perfect. are Legos like that. I've had Lego sets have, like that. You have you have you have solved the riddle of the Sphinx. You have done that perfectly. I wasn't really sure what the answer was, but that's exactly what I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so yes, there there are bad Legos. Now it usually doesn't throw out the whole set, but um, I I yeah I, I used to I used to use a lot of Legos. So there's some shitty ones. <laughs> uh, Kimmy actually I think voiced 
like put put to words something better that I was trying to figure out how to say is that I wouldn't say there are bad tropes, but maybe tropes with too much baggage that it's too hard to wield. Ooh, I like that. Um, that's that's a good that's a good way to phrase it. Um, I definitely. Uh, So, like, another one that comes to mind, um, and forgive me for not knowing, like, all the context behind this, but I, I know it's come up to me from you and Kodigan from, I think it's the Adventure Zone, which is the idea that, like, you have gay lovers, but they end up dying at the end. Yeah, often, um, like, heroically, maybe, but, yeah, mm -hmm. like, like uh, yeah, they, they, they were introduced as, as, as queer, and then they're gone. Whoop, all right, no need to worry about them anymore. But weren't they heroic and awesome, though? Yeah, uh, the Adventure Zone uh, guys, the the my brother, my brother, and me brothers, um, did that not knowing it was such a trope. Much actually like your Fridge the Girlfriend situation, where you wrote that scene not knowing that it was such a, a thing. That, that oh, I knew it was a thing. I just didn't know. I I didn't know how to not write it. I see. Okay, yeah, they completely did it by accident, and then mm -hmm. uh, at a certain point had an episode where they talk about. Um, yo, so we did this and we've got some, we didn't know. And, and we've gone, we've, we've taken this in some directions that are becoming problematic if we don't like address them right now. And, uh, and they had like a, just an entire episode of the show that wasn't like, Hey, Hey, we're going to do wacky fun D and D adventures. It was, yo, we've made some mistakes. So we're gonna talk about those mistakes really candidly and and try and see what we can do to 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 do do gooder as we finish this story mm -hmm. and i think they fucking did uh and and at that point it's not that they had used bad tropes it's that they had written a story not realizing how they had already been influenced by existing tropes not sort of like ig ignorant to the tropes perhaps and and then once once they had realized what you know oh hey this this building block to our story is actually super problematic and kind of invalidating to a community and maybe we shouldn't have done it that way and maybe we can actually take it from here to a place that's way better mhm mm yeah i to that end i think uh um what Kimmy said, like I, I, I like, I very much like the rather than good or bad, uh, the the phrasing being tropes with too much baggage, and uh, I I think those certain tropes that are connected with that systemic oppression, um, it's not that they can't be used, but you got to be very mindful about who's using them and how they're being used, and in my case, might be just more trouble than it's worth. <laughs> well, uh, all right, okay. Getting to your your fridging of the girlfriend. The girl didn't die. Um, in, and you are in a horror situation where mm -hmm. people are going to die. Like, I feel like the fact that, like, that that you were establishing, yo, this is a horror scenario. There are dangers involved. And and this this person's getting et by the monster. I feel like like because I never really was bothered by that. Whereas more what I got from it was, yo, this horror situation is for real. There are monsters and they will eat you. 
was really my actual takeaway from that scene. And I think that's what was meant to be communicated, mm -hmm. but that's not what everyone is going to see. Okay, how many... Uh, all right, all right. How many complaints did you get about it? Uh, more than one. Oh, really? Yes. Huh. Well, then um, I, I, I stepped down because I thought that you were overthinking this. Yeah. Uh, there's that. There is also sort of uh, how I portrayed women in the first three that I kind of regret. Uh, there's I think there's characters that are coming up and how I'm like, honestly, chapter three, I think I started to fix it with like I sort of had the, um, you know, one uh virtuous female and the the one like sinister female like temptress character and like that's also kind of gross and plays into the other bad trope i didn't like like i, I i'm not even trying to be self-critical mm. i i'm just looking at my past art and reflecting and yeah gotcha, gotcha gotcha it's it's part of my my sort of commitment to do better as i write going on um and even if it's not a big deal, like it's it's stuff I want to think about. I, I don't want to be a artist who doesn't consider these things and consider yeah like how my my work affects people and plays into that sort of stuff. So, um, how much is the right amount to worry about about overusing tropes, using bad tropes, being too formulaic? Because it it feels like you should worry on a measure. But I don't want it to be something that, like, stalls people out. I don't want it to be a reason to not make your art. Um, there's a, a thing that happens where people, like, say, oh, I'm, I'm going to make fan art of this thing. I want to, I wanna, like, take this and, and make my version of it. When then they make something so good that it should have just been its own thing. Mm -hmm. You know, like when when do you realize like like the thing that you're creating, you you were you leaned into the tropes. Or you're so worried about the tropes that you're like not realizing that you've done something really great with it. So this might be an example of my philosophy on writing like differs from others like our, our, our audience and you probably. Yeah. But I do think it's important that every aspect of your story have a reason for being there. And I think once you've found that reason, you can stop worrying about it. But you have to be aware of your reasons. And the reasons don't have to be good reasons. The reasons can be, uh, I like gothic Lolita androids. Ah, uh, uh, Yoko Taro is kind of a hero. <laughs> uh, I've, been, I've, been, I've been watching an LP of Nier, but we'll talk about that later. I, I think it's important to know why you're writing stuff into your story um regardless of what it is i i i, I think mm. writing should be very intentional do you know what this reminds me of it reminds me of uh, lost and battlestar mm. galactica and and the, the 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 tv version of game of thrones and and heroes where you write in a way that makes it really feel like you're going someplace great but you're actually not going anywhere. You're just writing each episode. Mm -hmm. And and so ultimately, like it feels it, it, like when you watch these things, you feel like, oh, we're, just, the, we're going someplace cool and the payoff is going to be great. But time and time again, these stories are just not that. They are, mm -hmm. in fact, like we're just writing whatever. 
and and it didn't go anywhere and and then we get to the end and it's stupid because we didn't have a plan all along and so and that's really um I, that's really a problem for a lot of like hey let's make like a a, a seven a seven uh seasoned tv show where it's well we got to keep it going and we can't give away the secrets Oh, we didn't have any secrets to give away. It's fine. But mm-hmm. when you are a small artist, like the folks that I really want to reach and help, um, it's it's that core idea that I want you to create. I want you to to do it. I want you to do thing. And if if like using, uh, you know, a, a being a little bit tropey, using these building blocks that are well established, will get you to you know do it mm-hmm. i would rather you do it because i am more confident that you person who's listening to our podcast and and is kind of worried about well oh, am i using tropes too much i i feel like you are probably going somewhere i feel like you probably have an idea that you want to create uh and if you don't have an idea that's another topic <laughs> We have a topic mm-hmm. plan for it's like, man, I don't have any ideas. No, that's that's one we're going to talk about later. So, so that I'm not, I'm not trying. I want to, yo, I'm thinking about all you, but um, the the folks that are in that create creative process and they're trying to make the thing, and they're like, oh, what if I'm too tropey? I would worry less because, uh, you can find out that you went too tropey and and fix it later. You know, you can, uh, you can write to your best of your abilities and grow as you, as you do. That, that was the end of my thing. If you want to go. Okay. <laughs> I, it, it seemed like you had, had, had more. Um, I, I definitely think it's like, I, I think good writing isn't about avoiding tropes. It's about, well, it's like what I said. It's, it's not about avoiding tropes. It's about being very conscious about how you use your tropes. And um, yeah. So I think that's, that's part of my, my angst with earlier stuff is, my reason for using those earlier tropes was I didn't know how to not. Mm. Um, and, you know, honestly, I, I don't regret starting the story when I did, but I think it's very healthy for me to look back on that and acknowledge the stuff that's wrong with that's it. That's a way healthier way to look at it because mm-hmm. I don't want to stop people from do thing. I want you to make the story. I, I, very much support well make make your story and then mm-hmm. reflect on it later hey guess what i used a really awful slur in the first version of my best graphic of my of my main graphic novel and mm-hmm. because uh well i actually gave a really long talk about exactly why and then in a later iteration removed that word and re- and and changed the line um you can make mistakes. You can learn from them. You can grow and and change. And sometimes you can say very publicly and very honestly, I really fucked this up and I'm sorry. And so I'm going to change this. I'm going to change it in this way. I And I made the mistake because of this. I learned in this way. And the, the change is this for this reason. Um... Mm-hmm. If you want to know what I'm talking about, go check, go uh, look up, uh, look up Jeremy K's talking about I love profanity, a little YouTube mm. bit that I have out there from a public public talk I gave about a word I I changed in my in the Indies. Um, yeah, it's okay to fuck up. 
if you learn from it. If if people say, "Hey, that's kind of shitty," and you're like, "Oh, I'm sorry," and then mm-hmm. grow, because <laughs> yeah. that's what life is. I uh, definitely think it's important to, well, it's important to hear other perspectives um, about this sort of thing, um, and and learn and grow your art in that way. I, I I'm trying to read chat, but it's a very in depth and actually very good conversation that I I can't keep up with while we're doing this. <laughs> Boy, we've yeah, we've we've been going hard and chat's been fucking killing it this whole time. Please give us give us some chat if you would. Shiny Zubat says I feel there's a distinct difference between stealing slash copying and being inspired by things. Kimmy says, yeah, there's so much at play in the execution, so much potential to build a tense and meaningful relationship, or some folks just think enemies have... Oh, that's talking about the uh, enemies to lovers trope. That was even further up. That's that's an interesting trope to talk about, too. Fable says, so, for example, if we take a very unhealthy usage of a trope and call it out, and then subvert it in a healthy way, I think that's freaking great. Uh, Referring to, like, so say we were to take what we're calling a bad trope and call it out and subvert it uh, to to turn it into a good trope. This is when Kimmy mentions the uh, there isn't bad trips, just uh, trips with too much baggage that are hard to wield. Um, Shani also says, I don't know if subvert- subverting a trope trope automatically makes it good or even better. Sometimes a subverted trope is just as obnoxious as the original trope. Good warning. Good, good warning on that one. Just subverting it isn't isn't inherently automatically better. There's also the uh, fable says there's also the ethos of whoever's talking to. So, for example, it makes a really big difference if it's a majority writer attempting to write for a marginalized group versus just allowing someone in the community to talk authentically. Uh, in other words, understanding the authority, uh, understanding and the authority to actually talk about it can make an enormous difference. And also that awareness and accountability are huge deals too. Squirrel Horde asked the question, would that just discourage majority writers from including minority characters? I was going to actually go in that direction because uh, that's one of the things that um, Kodigan has, has called us out on. It's like, no, d- 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 represent more first. Worry, worry about doing it good and right and for a reason second, but nor, mo- put more diversity in there first because more diversity go up, please. Yes, ya. Yeah. Ya yeah, do. Mm-hmm. Do diversity, ya. Yeah. Uh, Fable also says, um, uh, a good point from Jerry, mistakes are all right if you take accountability, learn, and do better. I think it means something for the audience to see that growth. It makes it even, uh, more valuable. Fable also says, also for the record, I want to give Kyle some credit here. He's actually had me sensitive to read some of his stuff before, so that's cool. Yeah, sensitivity readers are awesome, especially if you have a community that allows it. That's actually, uh, I mean, I, uh, don't know if it made it into the podcast, but we were talking about an animated series you watched and like with it being an indie project, like I don't, sometimes you don't know if like they have the community or, uh, sensitivity readers are like in the budget. Cause frankly, it is like a, a position that deserves to be paid. Um, but even, yeah, cause it's, it's a huge favor to ask. A friend of mine who's a person of color actually like really lamented. I did a a, a call out for, hey, can, can I get some advice on this one? And and my friend was just like, I am so tired of being white people's check gate because <laughs> mm-hmm. it's exhausting, actually. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a form of editing is what it is. Editing is a position. It, it, it deserves to be paid for. 
It really is. But sometimes our budget is pennies. <laughs> we are we are the small artists, actually, and that can happen. Mm-hmm. Let's let's kind of lean towards a wrap up. How much should we worry about being formulaic and and leaning too hard on tropes? Well, it shouldn't stop you from making your art, but I think it is a good thing to be conscious of. Yeah, I don't have much to add to that. That's how I feel. <laughs> so yes, think about it, worry about it a bit, but don't let it stop you. Tropes are Legos. And some are bad Legos. <laughs> They're the Legos that are a little extra spiky and belong to only one, one generation of, of, of... Star Wars pod racer kit. And doesn't really help in your in your fantasy whatever. Use them. Use them for your story. Use them to use them deliberately. Know what you're using and why. When you when you're putting your story together, check out TV tropes. Check out the 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 listings of these and and see who else has used them. How they've used them. Uh, see if there's like a particular way that these tropes have been used. That's just kind of like uh, doing this again. Um, or find ways to subvert them. But subverting them isn't always just an automatic... <laughs> it doesn't automatically make it better. But ultimately, trust in your creativity. Mm -hmm. You've got an idea. I want to read your idea. I want to see your idea. I want you to do things. So do thing. And don't worry too much about leaning into the formula. Because sometimes, sometimes the formula's there because it's popular. Sometimes the formula's there because it works. I genuinely love the American Hollywood movie formula. I think it's a good, solid framework for a reasonably consumable story. You got a story, you got the character, you've got the, the, the three acts, you've got, you know, just the, you know, a, a good old American movie. I think some really cool things are done by escaping from that formula. Uh, I think, like, some cool stuff is coming out of, of Bollywood. I think uh, Hollywood has actually, like, created some things that are like, whoa, this is way out there. K-Penguin says, God, I can't stand Hollywood formula. The reason why I like it is because it can be used to tell a cool story. The problem is people just apply the formula and say, there we go, done but didn't actually put any creativity in it. That's the problem. So I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with the tropes or the formulas. I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with the Hollywood formula, and I think some really cool creative stuff can come out of it. But use it as a framework for your creativity. I, uh, similarly, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with tropes or being tropey to begin with. I, I think deliberateness is, is what's important. Similar to what you said, uh, I, I pretty much trust some rando on the internet who <laughs> put a hundred hours into making, you know, two panels of their webcomic to tell a more coherent story than a thousand people being paid a pittance by a big company and then shortly laid off to tell a story. Point is, I, I, I do agree with the message of trust yourself, but it doesn't hurt to, to think about what you're using and why you like certain things and certain pieces of art and how you can not just use those aspects, but use what makes those aspects interesting and good to you in, in a fun way. Hey, folks out there, what do you think about this? If there's still questions you have, are you still worried about anything, 
Uh, are you working on anything cool that you want us to see? Could you, hey, Kyle, where would they send that? We have an email called how to draw without dying at gmail.com. All one word, all lowercase. Send us what you're working on. I want to see it. It send send us like are you are you just like are you just getting the scribbles down? Are you just trying to trying to do something for the first time? Send it to us. Uh, you got a big project that you're working on. You got like you're at like stage three of twelve. Send it to us. Uh, and and is there any way we can help? Is there anything that you're struggling with? You're just like, man, I just I don't know what I'm gonna do about this. That's what we're here for. That's what we wanted help with. So send it in. We want to hear from you. Also, if you have any other topic ideas, yeah. Oh yeah, we've got a we've got a good long list, but we're always up for more because we want to keep this up for a while. So yeah, let us let us know what you want to hear us talk about, and and we'll, we'll actually maybe we'll, you know occasionally we could do a little bit of research. I've read a book. <laughs> I could read another if I needed to. <laughs> Let's do a comic shop. Cool. All right. As LeVar Burton says, take a deep breath. Today is August 18th, 2022, and I found some cool comics on Kickstarter, and we're going to talk about them because they're cool. And the first one I found is The Challengers by Ryan Hubbard. Warriors across the Urn and Axis alike travel to Gladium Hippodrome in Alsir City to compete and do battle against the most formidable foes in the most brutal arenas. With our virtually ever-changing and limitless environment, the Gladium offers a one-of-a-kind opportunity for these travelers to reach new heights with their new strength and achieve skills beyond their wildest dreams. Once every 10 years, the leaders of, uh, of Alsir hold the Daystar Tournament, an open invitation competition that leaves the winner spoiled with riches and glory and boon granted by the chief uh, Arkane himself. The Challenger series, this book that we're talking about, follows four young warriors, Darist, Bala, Nelia, and Nox, as they take on the Daystar Tournament, battle strong fighters from around the world, and uh, age-old demons, uncover secrets from their immor- from time immortal, and of course, find love and friendship. Kyle, do you like, do you like, do you like uh, shonen anime with, uh, with a tournament arc? You know, it's funny you mention that, because while I do like a lot of shonen anime, I usually don't like tournament arcs, even though they're a very popular thing in the trope. Well, shut up, because this is just a tournament arc. <laughs> <laughs> this does look very cool. I, uh, all of these character designs are awesome, um, and I want to focus on each one, but I'm really just like, wow, that's, that's quite the underboob window you've got going on there, girl. Oh, that was, that was some underboob window right there. I don't, I don't deny that. That is a muscle lady, too. She looks like she could punch pretty hard. The art looks really cool. I well, I'm always a sucker for black and white, uh, and I think its use of of grayscale within it is really awesome. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, compositional blocks. I love them. This is just getting started. Super duper, just getting started. Looking for five k, which is completely reasonable. Just only three backers. I feel I, like it. It's, it looks like they haven't even hit hit the social medias yet. So, get some eyes on this one. I think it's cool. Next up, we've got The Hidden Valley by Nico Dorgello. I try my best with your names. If I mispronounce them, please let me know and I will correct them next week. So far, it hasn't happened. Maybe I'm just lucky. Okay, all right, listen. There are things that are Jer bait, and one of them is a lady with green hair. Not gonna lie. <laughs> uh, let's see. The, Hen- the Hidden Valley by uh, Nico Dorgello. The story tells of Serende and Smaragda, 
two topsiders who, through circumstance, interact with uh, one another and fall in love. Their forbidden love sees them taking refuge in the titular Hidden Valley, uh, where they find out uh, they may not be as safe as they'd hoped. Having to deal with new dangerous foes as well as getting to know their new friends, uh, Serende and Smagarda have to get used to their new surroundings quickly, especially when a stampede of troubles heads their way. That's, this is nice. That's cool. It's fantasy environment. There's, it's got some fantasy people in it, so probably some world buildings. I like it. I like fantasy world building. It might be the thing I am, I am the weakest against. <laughs> Yeah, again, just only a couple of backers, but this one's, uh, like, even smaller gold than the last one. Only looking for uh, 3K, translated from Euros. And uh, only four backers. Again, just starting, needs eyes. Just needs eyes. That is completely, completely reachable. Just needs people to see it. Take a look at that. Share it. Kyle, do you like clockwork things? I do like clockwork things. How about a clockwork circus? That sounds familiar. So this is Cottlesworth's Clockwork Circus by uh, Danny Oliver and crew. There's a big crew working on this one. Find some comic pages. I might have seen this before. I might have seen number one. I don't know. Wow, not a lot of... Oh, we need more art. We need more art. Please, please, guys, give me more art to show. I want to show the arts. Two halflings, Drum and Amari, began their journey to unravel the truth behind a dark legend. Seeking truths that could not be found in their native land, they ventured forth into a world they could never have imagined. After narrowly avoiding disaster in the streets of... Oh, this is a good one. Merkuldasta, Drum and Amari are escorted by their saviors to someone who may be able to help them in their quest to uncover the secrets of the book. The two are astonished when they discover their silent benefactors are part of a traveling circus featuring a variety of clockwork automatons. We got, can we get a, can we zoom in on this one just a little bit? Again, fantasy world building, clockwork, cool shit. Love it. Uh, written by Danny Oliver, art by uh, Slobodan Jovanovic, color by Kurt Michael Russell, edited by Janelle Asselin, and letters by Matt Kreutzer. We are, oh, that's what I like to see. Halfway in the first day, first couple of days, that's perfect. So we're looking for 5K. We're at about 2,800 already. That's what I want to see. That's a good start. I think we're going to do fine on this one. Uh, so this is the second issue. And as I actually, I, I think all of these are, let's see. Yeah, the, the, all three of these first ones were all, like, second issues. So uh, hopefully they all provide us with, uh, you know, a one and two option. I didn't check. I usually check. And finally, I have... Oh, this is a huge, huge crew of talent to put this one together. McKendall by Dorfusy, Jean, and crew. Who is McKendall? He is an actual person in history, and this is the, the sci-fi superhero version of him. Historically, Macondal is the hero who brought hope and courage to the people of Haiti. He conspired using his networking uh, resources uh, with the maroons and plantation slaves to poison all of the slave masters in the north in a plot intended to spread to all corners of the colony. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, they successfully poisoned plantation owners, animals, and even enslaved people that could not be trusted. Okay, this dude is not taking prisoners. He's, 
Uh, out of fear that McCundle and his followers would uh, eventually kill all the slave owners, they began a manhunt where he would eventually be captured. And when he broke free, he was immediately subdued again and bound before being put uh, to burn at the stake again. According to legend, he turned into a mosquito to escape. <laughs> That's a cool hero guy. So this version of McCundle uh, is a futuristic superhero with incredible spirit power uh, focused by a gauntlet made of iridium, copper, and gold. What a cool guy. <laughs> that's that's the that's the poison right there. He doing it. Yeah, fuck him. Uh created by uh Dorfus C. Jean, uh written by CJ Labe, uh edited by Greg Elise, illustrated by Wilkins Furiel, colored by uh, James Christie, lettered by Rick Joseph. Um that's that is a squad to put this together. That there he is in his there, there he is in his armor. Okay, yeah, again, like, completely reachable goal on this one, just looking for four, uh, 4K, uh, or almost a 1K. I'd love to see it just a little bit farther along. Just needs, just needs attention. Just needs people to see it, for goodness sake, folks. I think I've read about that figure before. He seems like a cool guy. Yeah. There, there's, there's a lot of interesting stories of how, uh, uh well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. You wanna... Haiti was fucking crazy, and uh, it was great. <sighs> well, 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 well. I, I, I don't know my history well enough to talk about. It. <laughs> I should probably read read a book first. But uh, hey, hey, hey. I studied Capoeira for a while. That's I know a lot about Capoeira, and that's a, there's a good history of fuck slavery. But anyway, let's get back to it. So, um, hey Kyle, where can people find links to these things? Um, they will be in the show notes as well as on your Twitter which is at Iron Oki uh, on Twitter and um, I-R-O-N-O-H-K-I. I'll be sending out links to these guys all next week. <sighs> I love, I really love historical fiction. I really love fantasy world building. I really love anything green colored. This is, ah, it's a good week. <laughs> Man, I really want to read more about the history of Haiti because they kind of, dodged some bullets and got fucked because of it it's oh it, um, history's his, history's cool i need to know more i don't know more there's some very interesting stories and i i'm also i i'm not really i haven't read it recently enough to be able to communicate things effectively yeah same i've read just enough to be like kind of super hype right now about it Mm-hmm. <sighs> but also, the history of slavery is kind of fucked. Yes. But, uh... Because it's fucked! Did you know that? Did you know slavery is fucked? Hey, hot takes! Yeah. It's very fucked, but uh, the bright side of Haiti's history is a lot of slave owners also got fucked. Not enough, but, you know, sometimes you take what you get. Wow. Well, I mean, we'll... Yeah. Hey, we watched a movie! We did. We watched a damn fine movie called Everything Everywhere All at Once. Kyle, did you know that Michelle Yeoh is a badass? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that hard, hard recommend. I, so I, I had a lot of people telling me I, I not only did, like, I specifically needed to see it. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it's very much my thing. Uh, I suffice to say, I've, I've got lots of ideas for anachronistic uh, going forward from it. Hey, why were we just talking about, like, like, don't worry about it, just do, do thing? Oh, if, if you were craving a, uh, 
multiverse thing in the past couple of months uh this is the one you you should have seen you know you know what <laughs> if, if you went to go see dr strange and the mom and felt like well that just kind of sucked and was lame and boring and just kind of like too formulaic and didn't really wow it just it just killed time and didn't really build any of the characters or say anything interesting hey i got this other multiverse movie that's actually really good and you should probably watch that one instead it, it's fantastic i've been listening to some of the soundtrack ever since uh ever since we saw it it's a really good movie, and it's also really hard to d- describe why it's a really good movie uh, in a way that makes any amount of sense. To a certain extent, that like it's it's hard to even worry about spoilers because the ways you would spoil it are just so fucking the the senses are so nutso. It it just won't make sense otherwise. I really don't care for everything bagels. I I would rather have a bagel with just some just some uh, I actually like uh what actually like just a good old like garlic or onion bagel. Is probably my what kind of bagel do you like i so i like just plain bagels but with interesting stuff in the middle oh okay yeah 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 you put some cool cream cheese on it do you, do you ever do the bagel and lox is that salmon and cream cheese yeah salmon yeah salmon and cream cheese yeah uh i i didn't no i didn't really care i, I fucking love salmon i don't really care for the bagel and lox i'll get my salmon in other ways it, it is in fact actually my favorite it's just we didn't call it that in india ah. we just called it a salmon bagel uh, sandwich. Okay, yeah, gotcha. No, um, don't care for everything. I don't care for the everything bagel. It's it's just it's too much stuff on it. So yeah, that's a spoiler for everything. We're all at once. Good luck making sense. No, it's not. I'm just talking about everything bagels. What's wrong no, with you? This is what I'm saying. It's not gonna fucking make sense. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. I I love that. Like the poster for the movie is just like the title of the movie with a bunch of googly eyes on it, and you're like, what the fuck is that about? No, don't worry about it. No, but what does it mean? No, don't worry about it. it. It was kind of funny because I was definitely in the, I don't want to hear any spoilers because I know this is going to be a really good one, but like the spoilers I got didn't make sense. <laughs> I thought they made sense. They didn't. No, they didn't. It's, oh God. Because when I, like my disappointment for Doctor Strange was very big, large. And uh, and it was twofold. Um, My disappointment in, in, in Doctor Strange was twofold. Is Number one, I expected... Um, I expected the the um the reveal that that Shumagroth is the next big bad. I was really, really hard expecting that. We saw a creature that looks like Shumagroth from the fighting game, and we saw uh and and like it's just it's just like now's about the time that we should be setting the stage for like the next, you know, the next uh the next next cool big big build-up thing, right? And like all the TV shows were kind of hinting at Shumagroth. We had uh Definitely, um, what if was hinting at Shumagaroth. Something else. I, I, I think it also. I think he also popped up in Loki, uh, or one. He popped up in two of them. And I was like, oh, oh, that is definitely Shumagaroth. Shumagaroth is basically a Marvel Cthulhu. And like the easiest way to explain him is he's he's Marvel Cthulhu. I, I, so this is what I find kind of funny. So like, part of part of this is that i don't care about marvel anymore and most of it is i like i i like hearing what other people say about marvel but my my interest in the movies now is almost zero but at no point no the doctor doctor strange doctor strange dropped my interest to zero i don't care yeah it it, it was sort of the last thing for me too but at no point did i think shimagoroth was going to be a thing yet um because i like you use like i i kind of know what you're talking about when you mentioned they were hinting at another things but i didn't like I, I, I thought the Kang references were just so much massively bigger, I'm just, I, and I was waiting for that. And they already talked about when Kang's going to show up too. So I don't know who Kang. Yeah, we've talked about this, but no, it's so. So we didn't get a, a big bad intro. 
or the, the like like or just like even a hint that, that of 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 who the next like long form story is uh and and it was and and then like the actual plot was just kind of like yeah so we're going to rehash what we already established in the show's better and fuck you i guess it was just b- b- boring and just nothing mattered and shut up but yeah i didn't like it yeah but uh but everything everywhere all at once is a really cool it is a film it's it's more than a movie it is a film and just hey you were we were just talking about how like we were kind of tired of the hollywood formula uh um dr strange mom is a hollywood formula oh and it's got some got some token representation thanks don't hate that but boy's a token um and then and then um fucking <laughs> the representation in in uh in everything everywhere is kind of like are you still stuck on that we got way <laughs> bigger shit to talk about right now why are you still being homophobic we with got... hot dog fingers over here <laughs> <laughs> The 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 scope of your problems is bullshit, lady. <laughs> Homophobia, are you for real? <laughs> that movie's great. It's really good. Your shit is petty as fuck, lady. We don't have time for that. Multiverse. <laughs> and 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 one of my favorite things. One of my absolute favorite things, because um, I never saw uh, I never saw Jet Li's The One, where he's trying to fight all the different versions of himself, in, in, in because they say the word infinite, but there's like twenty nine, or whatever. <sighs> no, 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 no. I want infinite realities, and if a if a narrative that's talking about infinite realities actually means infinite realities and leans into how infinite it is and is like you can't even fucking think about how infinite it is yeah and to the point that like um rick and morty sidestepped it uh rick and morty sidestepped it by rick and morty sidestepped it by making finite infinity part of the joke yes and and that's fine that's that's fun that's fun but it's not but it but it, yeah, no, it was, I do, it, yeah, there's like finite infinity <laughs> in Rick and Morty. And that's fine because that, that like puts a framework around it. Right. And so, uh, and, and, and that's, that's kind of fun. That's kind of cool. Uh, but, but my, my like thirst for like hard confirmed, no, the problem is actually infinite or not even the problem. Just like the reality is it, how, how many, <laughs> it's just, there's no, there's no, how many, it just keeps going. It's turtles all the way down. I, I very much tried to um, get across in anachronistic the sort of vibe that, like, rather than taking the approach of finite infinity or infinite, but I tried to be like, maybe it's not, but even if it's not truly infinite, it's so absurdly, incomprehensibly, massively big that I for you to appreciate scene, the scope, you would just go insane. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna show my friend just a little bit because uh, that Kyle's podcast, Anachronistic, is there's an infinity scene that that scratched that itch quite well. <laughs> oh, this is so infinite. <laughs> 
I, I took sanity damage writing that scene. <laughs> oh, that shit was great. That's what I want. That's what I want. Oh, it's so good. Um, yeah, everything everywhere was the shit. Go watch. I can't even tell you. I can't even tell you how good it was. You have to, you have to see it. Like it's it's the kind of thing that everyone has to see. There's one thing I kind of want to touch on before we're done for the day. My junk food podcast, Castle Super Beast, is by two two fellas, Pat and Wooly, who have been content creators for a long goddamn time, like like over ten years, I think. One of the really interesting things about their careers is that they they kind of got in on let's playing when the YouTube algorithm changed from um, number of views to minutes watched, which was an algorithm change that heavily benefited uh, Let's Players and kind of screwed, uh, Pat and Wooly were talking about this, uh, really heavily screwed animators because animation takes a lot of work and suddenly you're making, you're putting tons of effort into a very short thing that people watch once and are good, but what you really want is long content that you can veg out to. Uh, and this is uh, like years ago. So uh, in, in their most recent podcast, they were talking about how they've both made some, some algorithm shifts to the kind of content they create. Wooly started making... Um, a lot more uh, he he puts it on on youtube but he he created a second channel specifically to make short gaggy sort of things because youtube very much would like to uh to compete with tiktok and so they have adjusted their algorithm accordingly thus this very seasoned and popular career content creator is saying well i've got to make stuff that works for the algorithm and that worked and then Pat, in a similar, like, uncoord, like, they didn't coordinate with each other in a similar way, because they're both independent content creators and they put a podcast together. Started making, uh, so they, you know, their primary thing is video games and talking about video games and playing video games on Twitch and, and what have you. Pat did a series of, uh, I'm going to ask my community to give me stuff to watch and then I'm just going to stream watching it. And it did so well that it outperformed the most popular video game on his channel by, like, more than double. The reason I'm talking about this, the reason why I'm bringing it up and explaining it in depth, is because uh, I'm really thinking a lot about how the algorithm is not your friend and doesn't love you. Because um, content creation is an interesting career. It is a career. It is it is a job that can sustain that can pay your rent and food. It is a thing that you can become like good enough at that you can buy a house. You know, it is it is an actual for real job. And there are the platforms upon which you you produce these things and they have an agenda. Mainly the agenda is making money, but it's going to they're going to tune themselves to be whatever is benefits them or even that what they perceive to benefit them right now i don't think reacting to tiktok and altering your algorithm to make different content
is a good idea. I think that's a stupid idea. But it's what YouTube and Facebook are both doing. I think that's reactionary and foolish, and you should probably cultivate the content base and the user base that you've got rather than chase the trend of a new thing that hit the block and is is generating buzz. There is definitely value in watching what the algorithm does and what is going to benefit you the best. And and if it is your job and it, and what makes you money, if doing this thing that the algorithm, like, like gets more people to look at it through the algorithm, it's going to make you more money. Yeah, that's fine. I personally am an artist who has ideas in my head and wants to create them in a specific way. And so the algorithm is, I'm never, ever in my life going to chase the algorithm. I can't. That's not what I'm capable of doing. I'm capable of, I've got some cool shit in my brain and I'm going to fucking good my art good enough and I'm going to grind comic pages and I'm going to make some cool shit. And I'm focused on the cool shit that's in my brain that I want to make. So I'm going to focus on that. (laughs) I'm also kind of tiny. And that's fine too, because like like where I've had some success on social media, both on on Twitch and Twitter, has been not through the algorithm, but through connecting with human beings and people finding me and me finding them and me hanging out in communities and socializing and and having like good good talks and good conversations. So I'm just for for my part, now the algorithm algorithm is never gonna be my friend. The algorithm serves itself. And I probably won't make the things that are really good for the algorithm. And I'm kind of really, really comfortable with that. And that concludes my side. Kyle, <laughs> please continue. Well, just briefly. Also, that not capitulating to the algorithm very much falls into my anti-corporate mindset. What's up, Warner Brothers? Laying off all your animators again. That's great. You're great. But the, the rant I really wanted to go into... An unfortunate thing I don't think a lot of people realize about why YouTube and and Facebook want to copy TikTok. And that is because both of these things, in fact, most social media, uh, most companies of that size at this point have reached the point where they can't make any more money and can't attract any more customers. But the way this whole economic system works is you have to make more money than you made last year. Oh, you have to grow. No, you have to grow. If you're not growing, you're dead. Yeah. And, uh... No, no, don't don't make sustainable. Always grow. They literally are running out of customers to the point where they can't afford any other businesses taking any other customers. We've seen this before, before massive economic collapses like the South Sea bubble. That's a fun one to look into. <laughs> so it makes me just a teensy bit, little baby bit nervous. Ooh. Anyways, that's Doom's, Doom saying with, with Kyle. Well, I'm just going to keep making art that I like to make. Yeah. And really appreciate everyone that's here hanging out with us. Because you're all cool. That feels like a show. Kyle, Kyle, where where can people find you and your stuff? I am at Kenyabridge on most things. Honestly, like I, I, I'm on at Kenyabridge on Instagram, but if you're following me, twi- Twitter's better. And especially uh, patreon.com slash Kenyabridge if you want to throw me a couple of dollars to make sure I can keep the lights on. 
Yeah, please, please feed the Kyle. I would appreciate that. I like the Kyle. And uh, I've got a new book for sale uh, that you can buy at servalcross.com slash store. It's called The Punchline is Death. It's really good. People like it. But, but buy some books. You should go to that that website that Kyle just said, uh, severalcrows.com slash store, because I also have books for sale on that store, and that would support me and Kyle at the same time. Where can people find your stuff, Jer, besides the store that we mentioned twice? <laughs> well, that's where you can buy stuff. But uh, yeah, you can find me on uh, on Twitch and Twitter primarily as Iron Oki, I-R-O-N-O-H-K-I. Um, that's where you find me. We stream this show, so if you want to be part of the, if you want to be part of the show, you can come hang out with us while we do it and be part of the conversation as best we're capable. And you can read all my comics on my website, jared.art. And so, um, with that, I want to say that, uh, you know what? It can be really intimidating when you feel like your story is kind of the same as everyone else's, except for that one little spark of creativity that is yours and yours alone. But don't let that drag you down, all right? Keep making your thing. Trust in your own creativity. And if you got an idea, draw it. You probably won't die. <laughs>